Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, how are you? Very good. So thanks for joining Dubai Works firstly. Um, how I would uh, describe you as uh, a true Dubai entrepreneur uh, in, in terms of uh, recognizing the city, recognizing the trends, uh, coming up with something that fits this world that we're living in, digitization. Um, you know, you're, you're a real uh, entrepreneur in that you get involved in promoting the business online with a lot of video, a lot of content. And uh, Switch just really suits, you, you really understand Switch and the brand through through you and what you've done over the last few years. So um, thanks a lot for coming on. That's a great intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And, you know, just to start with that. So we've seen, you know, Switch born out of Dubai and then expand internationally. Um, but what's the kind of background story? How, you know, what's your background and how did you come up with the idea? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it's probably one, uh, probably a story we maybe don't tell enough of, um, but one that's obviously, like you say, rooted in, in Dubai. Um, so actually, I moved over in, uh, to Dubai in 2015. Um, I had previously to switch, uh, I had a marketing business, and we did a lot of work with uh, corporate clients and government clients over here. Um, and in the services business, uh, as you well know, Rich, uh, it, is, it is a challenge. Uh, it is a, you know, a, a real slog. Um, and, and through that process, admittedly, um, personally, I reached burnout. Um, and I think many entrepreneurs, you know, have a trigger point in their life that, that sets them on a journey to create something that means something to them, something that has purpose. Um, so I think I, I personally found purpose in that, in that period of my life where I was maybe working too hard, um, you know, trying to do too many things and was guilty of not actually taking care of myself in the way that I, I always had done. Um, so I've always been very active, uh, you know, always been into fitness, played football to a very high level uh, growing up and into, you know, through university. Um, so it was really kind of going back to my roots. So just to kind of touch on something, because I think it's important. We'll talk a lot about wellness. What what do you think burnout is uh, for you? Uh, do you think it kind of differs for different people? Is it a combination of, um, you know, enough is enough or are there is it uh, more serious than that or you know what, what would you describe that burnout feeling uh well, horrible um so the, the feeling is horrible uh, for me it was more physical burnout uh, i think people can suffer it in many different ways you know emotional uh, psychological um you know ultimately it's it's triggered by stress uh, and and some people deal with stress differently right um stress is not necessarily a bad thing in my opinion if you have the right amount of it um, if the if the drivers of that stress are positive, uh, actually it can it can fuel you. So, um, but when there's too much stress, I think that's when it becomes uh, too much to handle. And, and I, I think most people um, recognize that too late. Um, so that would be the my definition of burnout is when you've recognized too late that you are, you know, you're not able to you know to continue in the way that you're going. So for me, it was was lack of sleep. Um, so I think you know not sleeping enough, uh, not giving my body the time it needs to recover uh, and rest and, and my brain as well. Cause you know, ultimately as a, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're constantly using your brain and, and whilst you go to the gym to, you know, to, to train your body, um, you know, I think many people, 
people are the victims of not giving their brain the time to uh, recover or, or to train their brain in, in that process. So, so yeah, I think you know, happens, burnout happens in many different ways uh, for for different people. Uh, for me, it was unfortunately uh, the first Valentine's Day after I had gotten married uh, to my obviously my wife, um, and we we couldn't even go out to dinner because I couldn't talk. Uh, I was so tired, uh, I just couldn't speak. Um, so. I'd been toying with the idea of Switched for a while. Um, my two co-founders as well, we'd, we'd been playing with the idea of, of what can we do? Um, we actually launched, uh, prior to developing the app and the platform, we ran a program in, at the beginning of 2017 called Switch 360. Um, and it was a, a social media style campaign where we recruited four individuals from Dubai, four Dubai residents, to try something new every day for 12 weeks to showcase how variety really does drive um, well-being um, and you know uh, the guys who participated all saw really positive results whether it was um, increased mental strength uh, whether it was improved relationships whether it was career progression uh, we weren't really just focusing on how you can change your body by working out every day uh, that was not the, the goal the goal was how can you build variety into your routine um, to to drive well-being um, and at the end of it we had loads of great content um, you know, we, we really did succeed on a, on a content creation and distribution perspective, but we only touched the lives of four people. So we're like, how, how do we take this and move it you know, to the next phase? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the honest answer is we didn't know. Uh, it took us a while to figure it out. Couple that with burnout because we were doing this on the side. We were still doing our, you know, running our original business, Delesh, one of the co-founders and myself. Um, and Graham, you know, running their own businesses and doing, you know, Graham doing his his, his own job at the time. Um, and, you know, we, we hadn't quite figured out. We'd done this really great campaign, um, but, you know, we wanted to scale it. So it took us a few months after that um, to actually figure out the right business model, uh, create the right financial model. Um, luckily, you know, uh, we have a background of, of building business models and, and business plans and financial models for our clients previously through our our design and marketing business so it wasn't it wasn't alien to us um, but it was a good good opportunity to get it right um, so and then for all the planning in the world that you can do in the end when you get going yeah it, it changes interesting so you were coming at a place where you you kind of wanted to uh, you know you were burnt out and then you wanted to create something new that creates extra pressure as well so kind of how did you get going was it like a lease of life that you were you know, free and you were kind of empowered and you were kind of, oh, this is, this is taking a weight off my shoulders or was it immediately, oh no, I'm now doing two things at once? Uh, yeah, yeah, very good question. Uh, no, I think for me it was a realization that, um, it, personally for me, I'd always, I'd always been driven and motivated by running my own business and I thought that that was my motivation. But actually, when, when we developed the idea of Switch and the business model progressed, what I then realized was actually it was running this business that so was my, my, my real passion and, and motivation. So I think, you know, by, by doing the wrong thing but not realizing it, uh, it, it forced me into, a, you know, an opportunity to find the exact right thing. And, and, and not many people have um, the luxury of, of finding exactly what they're truly, truly passionate about. And, and for me, whilst I came from a, a negative experience, so don't get me wrong, there was, you know, I, I was very tired, I was exhausted, but there was no physical or, or mental health repercussions other than that. Um, so I'm, you know, coming out of that, that particular space and going into, 
you know, creating a new business, a new venture that had the opportunity to impact many people. We didn't know how many people. We were like, well, can we do more than four? Mm. I think the answer is yes. So, um, so yeah, I think finding that passion, yes, definitely it gives you a new lease of life without a doubt. Um, but it, it was also um, an absolute cue or trigger for me to, to start to step away from, you know, the existing business that we had. So uh, that process wasn't immediate, but it was fairly swift. Um, and, and then I, I went full time into switch. And, you know, for there are there were people you, you mentioned you're in the services industry and, and sort of working with clients and that side, side of things and branding and and marketing. Um, there are people who are in the health and wellness industry as well, who are in the services side of business who don't necessarily scale it. So at what point did you kind of look at this? And, you know, I think there was a few figures uh, you mentioned elsewhere that the UAE's exercise market had been around $380 million when you started and the well-being market was $2.7 billion. Were they things that you looked at in terms of opportunity for this? Um, and then did you realize then that you were going down a different type of a business model, an entrepreneur, you know, and you were looking at kind of fundraising and scale? Was, was that part of the uh, thought process at the time? Yeah, hundred percent. I think you know, having having built a, a, a services business, like you said before, where um, we were, we were, I guess, lucky. Maybe you want to call it luck. I don't know. Uh, we were lucky in the fact that our client base uh, in our marketing business spanned the U.S., Europe, and and, and the Middle East. So um, we scaled it, I, I guess, as far as it was possible. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very different ball game. I think going into switch, um, you know, we we had nothing more than a than an idea written down and we were lucky to get some initial uh, angel investors uh, to put some seed money in um, and I must admit that you know the raising seed capital here from individuals has been um, critical in our in our success uh, I can't thank those people enough um, they are mostly based here in Dubai they are you know individual angel investors um, we have had a lot of success uh, with individual angel investors and and I think that network uh, doesn't quite get the credit that it deserves. Um, I think it's something that's very under the radar. I, I understand why. Uh, it's a personal thing. It's a private thing. But um, we would not be where we are today without, you know, those angel investors. So we have we have a great deal to thank them for. Um, and I think we also probably are very grateful that we are in Dubai, where there's probably a higher concentration of individuals who, who get into angel investment. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think it probably doesn't get the... The, the credit or the exposure that it that it truly deserves. So interesting. So talking about the the business plan and model and it often changing, um, does the structure and ownership also adapt, or is that you know you know in terms of the international expansion, which we'll touch on a bit later, um, the original seed investors are they uh, you know the ownership structure is that with the same kind of entity and the same framework as before and the kind of um, almost legalities around that. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's definitely one of the challenges of of, of setting up a business uh, in general. Um, you know, is is figuring out a structure that works for now and and for the future. Um, quite frankly, our structures changed three times um, in you know probably three years um, as we grow and grow and grow, um, every, you know, markets that we're, we're in or entering have different regulations. Um, you know, we have to create a structure that's suitable to our investors and our partners. Um, and as we now prepare, 
to launch in the US as well. Um, that's a whole different ball game. So, um, so yeah, the, you have to be. I think you have to be fluid and you have to be able to adapt. Um, you know your, your everything, not just your structure, your operations, your your mindset. You know your your physical, you know physical operations. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think the the structure is vital um, in developing something that's that's compelling uh, and attractive to investors. Because if you if you're building a business like ours that does require investment over time, um, you need to make sure that you are set up in the right way to you know to to give the investors what they want to a certain degree. You know, it's a you know that that's the game, right? Yeah, interesting. So from a seed point of view and an angel, is, that's kind of part of a roadmap then for you know a Series A, etc. And you know, if you talk about that a little bit, but just kind of explain, you know, do, when you're pitching a business idea, are you at some point, is there kind of an exit strategy or is there kind of a goal in mind or is it more related to a kind of an overall mission for the company? Uh, yeah, a bit of everything. Mm. I think um, ultimately when it, any investor, whether it's a, an angel investor at seed level or a venture investor at series A, series B level, um, they're of course looking for a return. Um, you know, I think as as we grow and as we develop, you know, that the exit becomes um, maybe bigger, uh, maybe more sophisticated, uh, maybe at a larger scale. Um, and yeah, that's something that you have to you have to of course uh, map out. Uh, we have a very uh, a very clear pathway um, to what our future growth looks like now. Whether that's an exit strategy for our investors, whether that's an exit strategy for some of the investors or, or some of the, the team members or, or whatever, uh, I think it varies. I think the good thing for us is that we see a very long pathway of growth, uh, profitable growth mm. um, in the wellness uh, space. Um, you know, the wellness industry as a whole is growing astronomically. It's a multi-trillion dollar industry if you put every piece of it together from corporate wellness, health insurance you know you name it hmm. um so yeah we we see a, a very good uh, solid runway to profitable growth hmm. um so our exit uh, options uh, actually increase as time goes on um and and you know we're in a sorry go on. yeah so i mean I, I, yeah we'll definitely move into i want to talk about the kind of the reasons for hong kong and the expansion as well but just while we're on this topic around dubai and uh the business structure um, do you think there's enough prototypes and enough examples? Because a lot of um, a lot of examples and a lot of you know, say a stock market listing exit come is very U.S. centric, um, and then other kind of startups for this region might be acquired. But um, you know, do you kind of look at kind of carving out a new path? And could could there be potential other listings on other stock markets, whether it's Asia and I know you're looking at U.S. as well. So, you know, where, where does that come into it? How do you, how do you look at the kind of uh, the international uh, roadmap for kind of exiting and kind of um, not even exiting, but just in terms of future capital uh, fundraising and investment? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's not, you know, the answer lies not in both fundraising and exit, but actually in the whole ecosystem. Um, so. Um, we have to get to a level here in Dubai or the Middle East um, where there are enough startups, there is enough funding, um, the whole journey has gone through and embracing the, the notion of failure or pivoting, um, that has to evolve. Um, and, and when we get there, that's when we can then start to have those, those exits or those listings. Um, unfortunately, whilst that doesn't exist here, 
Um, that's why, you know, organizations will naturally be um, attracted to the US or, or other markets to to kind of um, implement exit strategies. Um, so I think that there's a there's an ecosystem play that that's, that, that is happening. Uh, there's some great, you know, some great platforms, some great accelerators, um, you know, incubators, stuff like that. But actually, I think it's more about the DNA um, of, you know, the, the city's entrepreneurial mindset uh, that needs to continue to evolve uh, and mm-hmm. develop. And once that happens, um, that's when we will see, you know, more new businesses, more startups, more scale um, and more more champions of the city from a from an entrepreneurial perspective. Um, there aren't enough. And, and I think we're, we're guilty of that in that, you know, we, we are a Dubai based uh, tech startup operating in the wellness space. Um, and, you know, we perhaps don't wave that flag uh, enough or at all even. Mm. Um, so I think that more more organizations, more startups that are there need to need to make their voice heard. Um, and then, you know, that you need that support from those, you know, those um, exit pathways. So whether that, you know, whether that's from DIFC or whether that's from, you know, the government or or the banks, um, that support network is not there yet. Mm. Um, there's a willingness um, there is a way, but it's not there yet. Um, so I think once we once we get there, and we're actually part of um, Dubai SME's APRA program, uh, where they you know effectively champion what we're doing to you know other markets around the world, mm. uh, and that, that's a phenomenal program that we've been involved with. So you know we have a lot to be grateful to them for. Um, but it, it's still it's still early days. Uh, I think that you know it would be it would be phenomenal if we could continue to grow. And you know one of our exit options is to you know to list here in in Dubai or in, in the Middle East. Um, but as it stands, it is more likely that it would be in either the US or, or Singapore. Interesting. Um, and can you disclose what you've raised so far and what the kind of future, are you going to do a Series A soon or something like that? Yeah, of course. Um, so we, in the from angel investors and in our seed round, we raised uh, just over $1.5 million US. Um, and we're actually in the closing stages of a pre-Series A round uh, where we're raising uh, up to $3 million uh, US. Um, that will see us through our growth plans for, for this year um, and then later this year, I would imagine, because the process takes time. Uh, fundraising is a full-time job. Mm. Um, so while she said earlier, you know, I, I had the danger of having two full-time jobs. I actually have two full-time jobs now. One is <laughs> fundraising and one is, is, is being CEO of the business. So, um so yeah, uh, later this year we'll kick off a, a Series A, um, and again, at the moment most of the discussions that we've we've got in place are happening with with VCs in in the US uh, and Hong Kong and Singapore. Okay, interesting. A uh, lot to talk about there. I think just so we don't uh, go too far ahead of ourselves, the, the Switch platform and the kind of very catching logo kind of alludes to uh, you know a, a brand and a switching of lifestyle. Uh, so what sort of are are you looking at other apps and other platforms that did things i'm thinking of class pass or guava pass are you incorporating a bit of that and how has the product evolved in the last couple of years uh yeah another great question i think we get we get asked about class pass somewhere between five and ten times a day from different uh, stakeholders so there is an obvious comparison um truth be told we had we had no intention of of trying to copy or mimic uh, Class Pass or Guava Pass prior prior to them uh, regionally, um, when we started back in in 
2017 with the the Switch 360 campaign. Uh, like I said, we didn't really know what we were going to do afterwards. Um, when we then developed the business model and 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 the tech platform, um, we wanted to solve the problem as a starting point, particularly here in Dubai, of um, finding, booking, and paying for things to do is really difficult. Um, so how can we help vendors reach more people, and how can we help people, you know, discover more services? And if you find something you actually want to do, you can just book and pay for it there and then, and don't have to worry about the rest. Um, so whilst the, the problem that we were solving originally with the tech platform was one that was a, a deeply rooted problem here in Dubai, particularly with cash payment still being, you know, the go-to, you know, the default payment mechanism, um, you know, sending a WhatsApp or, a, or a, you know, having to call to make an appointment and then not being very sure if, if that appointment is confirmed or not. Um, so we wanted to, um, you know, I guess professionalize or, or, or raise the bar of, of how operations exist in in the leisure fitness and wellness space um so number one um the, the original differentiator from us and the likes of guava pass and class pass that we are not fitness classes only um i think fitness classes make up maybe 10 to 15 percent of our total inventory in terms of the services on the platform um they're a very important part of it um but they're not the only offering um so you could book a paddleboard a kayak you know, a kite surfing lesson, uh, there's hot air ballooning, there's dune bugging in the desert, um, there's flotation therapy, there's life coaching, uh, zip lining at Ras Al Khaimah and Toro Verde. Wow. Um, you know, there, there's so many different things. And, and the whole point about Switch, as you alluded to, is is enabling people to try different things. Um, there is no one way to well-being. Um, and most people don't know their own ways to well-being. So our, our, our job is to inspire you mm. uh, and make it easy for you to try these things. Some people have never had a massage before. Uh, we want to make that, you know, easy and accessible to people. Um, so so I think from a, you know, as we progressed and as we evolved and, and we've been talking about pivoting and, and having the, you know, maybe an agile mindset as an entrepreneur and as a business in order to succeed in, in today's climate in particular, um, when we started Switch and launched the first version of the app, it was very much consumer-facing. Anyone in, in, in Dubai could download it, anyone in the world could download it and, and use it to find, book and pay for services on the go. Um, within weeks of launching the very first version of the app, um, we got contacted by several prominent organizations, both uh, private and government, um, to say, how can we use your platform to deliver wellness benefits to our, our staff? And we were, you know, our answer at the time was, we can't. It's not a, it's not a B2B platform. We're mm. a B2C brand, mm. you know. Um, and then when you get asked time and time again, you have to start to think, well, hang on a minute. You know, um, is this an opportunity? Have we got it wrong? You know, how can we evolve our, our offering to, to satisfy this genuine demand? Because we are, you know, we are getting asked by some pretty good organizations to use the platform, but we hadn't thought about it in that way. So I think you have to be... Um, big enough to, to accept that all of the planning that we did actually would miss this golden opportunity and, and we now need to adapt to it. So um, we, the uh, Delesh and the development team went back to work. Uh, we built uh, the platform to cater for organizations. And now, fast forward to today, we only work with organizations to deliver wellness benefits to their staff or customers. Interesting. Uh, but you mentioned your partner in the on the development side. That was a crucial kind of uh, part of switch from the start that you owned your own technology and you were kind of maybe onboarding vendors so although it might have been a, a a pivot you still had the ability to kind of adjust from a platform and technology point of view 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part you know, everybody sees the Switch app, uh, but actually, our, our, our biggest platform is the is the vendor and corporate portals that we've built. So the SaaS platforms that we've built for the vendors to to upload inventory to the, the Switch app uh, to manage pricing, uh, to create discounts and offers for corporate users, to create special exclusive events, uh, to create private events. So, you know, the Switch platform from a vendor and corporate portal perspective and the data that sits behind that is fundamental to how our business operates. Um, in terms of our vendor partnerships, they're critical. Mm. Um, and I think that we've been very fortunate that, you know, the, the vendors that we work with, our partners, um, they see that we're evolving to benefit them, right? And it's really important that they see us in that way. Um, without naming other platforms, I don't think that, that that partnership or that relationship is seen in such favorable terms. Um, so. You know what we do is designed to generate more revenue to our to our vendor partners that they wouldn't be able to tap into themselves. So we're not cannibalizing the consumer market that they're attacking by themselves and doing very well. Actually, we're helping them, you know, attract corporate revenue dollars that they would just not have access to otherwise. Interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. So explain that from a, a vendor point of view. I set up a clinic or a service or a massage uh, center or a, a gym and. As part of my business plan, am I thinking about software? Am I thinking about SaaS? Do I, you know, we know that restaurants use delivery uh, partners. Uh, is that is that what um, people, entrepreneurs in the wellness space are thinking about? What's the, what's kind of available to them? And do they have decisions around building their own, um, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. And how do you kind of onboard them onto your platform? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think that, from a from a software perspective, um, if you're a, a fitness studio owner or a you know a spa or a salon owner or, or whatever, there, there's a number of great uh, SaaS platforms out there to run your run your business. Um, you know, there's the likes of MindBody, GlowFox, ZingFit on the on the fitness side of things. Um, I, I could list a hundred you know across across the spectrum, and and they all have their own merits. Um, we're not directly competing with any one of them. Um, so almost every single one of our vendors probably uses one or more of those platforms. Hmm. Um, certainly many of our fitness vendors also work with ClassPass and other fitness aggregators. Um, again, the major difference for us is how we can give them technology and how we can give them access to corporate revenue dollars and corporate users. Um, so, and, and from a business model perspective, um, you know, the, the amount of commission that we charge on in-app sales is way lower than many other platforms. And I think the critical missing piece is that within the, within the Switch app, there's a digital wallet. So organizations can give their staff or their customers Switch credit to spend on any activity that they would like. Uh, Switch credit is a very simple conversion. One Switch credit is one dirham or one Switch credit is one Hong Kong dollar. So it's one to one. Um, so if you have 100 Switch credits and there's an activity for 100 dirhams, you just use your switch credit to pay for it. Now, not only are we giving uh, the vendors access to corporate users and organizations they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, those users have prepaid accounts, right? So they've mm. got credit in their account they can spend on anything. So not only are we helping vendors do marketing to corporate users, we're also helping do the sales because you know we're getting credit loaded into their digital wallets uh, for them to spend on the app. So um, again, it really comes back down to being a partnership. Um, you know, our, we rely on our vendors to deliver the services. We as Switch deliver no services ourselves uh, through the app. Um, so, you know, we, we need to make sure that our vendor network are engaged with us and want to deliver the services to our 
to our corporate users. Um, and, and again, we're very grateful that the vendor partners that we have here in Dubai, uh, in Hong Kong, um, they're doing a great job. Interesting. And so how much of your kind of team or uh, structure is built around technology as opposed to kind of the operations side, the sales and marketing? And we'll talk about the content and the video and the inspiration part that you do a lot of. Is it 50-50 or is it mostly kind of technology? Uh, I would say it's close to 50-50. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the tech team uh, probably accounts for about 40% of our, our global headcount. Mm. Um, and then, you know, from the other, the other portion of the team is, is linked to in-market operations or, or global operations. Mm. Okay, and going back to the kind of corporate wellness, there was a statistic and another piece of coverage about Switch that said uh, Bayut uh, did the research... Uh, and they found that 93.2% of people believe it's up to the employers uh, to, as a responsibility to provide uh, health, well-being and wellness to their employees. Um, so that's kind of a real insight and it kind of backs up a lot of the feedback you were getting. Uh, how, how do you think that's evolved? Are employers taking on that responsibility? Do they need to be kind of educated a bit more? And uh, you mentioned, you know, providing credits uh to those services, do you also provide, uh, for example, if we wanted to have uh, massages in the office or if we wanted to have a kind of um, a PT to come in to do some stretching and things like that, is that something we could do via the Switch platform? Uh, yeah, um, very good point. So um, I think we've seen in the last four weeks um, the mobilization and virtualization of, of pretty much 100% of our services. So. Uh, whilst the original um, goal was to get people active, you know, in, in managing their well-being by doing activities or, or you know, taking up services physically, um, we've now seen a, a fundamental shift to virtual service delivery. So uh, Switch Live is something we're running with a number of our partners across a number of our corporate clients to keep uh, their workforce or their customers engaged, keep them active, even if it's at home. Um, so, you know, we're working now with a number of our, our vendors to deliver virtual services to, to corporate teams and corporate, corporate clients. Um, but yes, absolutely. In terms of, you know, working with our corporate clients in the more traditional way, uh, it's helping them achieve um, their well-being, develop and achieve their well-being strategy uh, in whatever ways work for them. Uh, so, yeah, a number of our vendors have, you know, the, the, a mobile capacity. So, we have uh, some massage providers on the app who can come to your office or your home um, to do a massage. We have PTs that are mobile that can come to your office or, you know, take people off-site to do a, a group PT session. Mm. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's how we how we mobilize our vendor network to help them generate revenue in ways that we, in which they possibly couldn't do themselves. Uh, so that's very important. I think in terms of the going back to your original statistic, what a great statistic that is, by the way. Um, you know, we we have obviously seen a, a, a positive shift in many organizations approach to uh, corporate wellness um, and the, the importance that they're placing on the well-being of their employees. Um, whilst the last four weeks globally have been, you know, a disaster in many ways, uh, one of the best things to come out of this is a heightened sense of uh, awareness around health, well-being. Um, you know, uh, fitness and, and I guess, uh, you know, just overall hygiene um, and mm. all of that adds up to wellness. Um, so, you know, I think w w it's no coincidence that we've had more discussions on a, 
on a corporate level in the last two weeks alone than probably the last two years. Um, so maybe we were gearing up to this and, and this is just a positive trigger. Um, I'd love to say that we were planning for that, but mm. we weren't. Uh, we're just now able to adapt and, and have a, you know, mobilize a really great vendor network, leverage the technology that we have, um, and, and importantly, work with organizations like Cigna, like Standard Chartered, um, you know, global organizations that actually want to really take care of their their employees or their customers at a time when physical activity is no longer possible. What's the uh, partnership with Standard Chartered? How has that come about? Is that something bespoke between Switch and Standard Chartered? Yeah, something we've been working on for a while now. Um, and, and, you know, fortunately, it's now starting to come to light. So, uh, again, one of the things we're working on is, uh, is a live program for their, their employees globally. Um, so leveraging our, our vendor network, not just in the markets we're already in, but also the markets we were preparing to launch in. Um, and it may well be now that we launch in those markets virtually first rather than digitally and physically. Um, so delivering only live services rather than, you know, aggregating physical services too. Mm. Um, so actually, this has become a big opportunity for us, um, you know, in, in the last four weeks. Um, with Standard Chartered, we have a partnership where we're developing a unique concept called Fusebox. Um, so we will open the first Fusebox studio here in Dubai in, in Imar Square uh, at the foot of Standard Charter Tower uh, in the summer. Um, so building work has already started. Um, it's not progressing quite as quickly at the moment due to the current circumstances, but we're still on track for a summer launch. Um, the, the idea of the Fusebox studios is that it's a live wellness space. What does that mean? It means that effectively that space is a physical version of our app, meaning that there is not one dedicated uh, service deliverer. It's not a fitness studio. It's not a yoga studio. It's not a wellness studio. It is a, a physical platform for all of our vendors to come in and deliver services to standard chartered employees, standard chartered customers, or the general public. Um, so all of the activities that take place at Fusebox will be exclusively available on the Switch app. And again, many of the customers, employees that have the app have prepaid the Switch credit or session credits that they can redeem at, at the Fusebox studio. So we know um, that, you know, coming out of this current pandemic, that many of the, the partners that we work with will be in a, in a difficult position. Mm. Um, maybe operating a studio is no longer a possibility. It's too expensive. Mm. Uh, maybe there's new, you know, vendors that want to come into the market but can't take the risk of, of the CapEx and OpEx associated with running their own studio. Not to mention that most studios operate maybe three to five peak hours a day, and then the rest is not just off-peak, but it's dead. Um, so it's really having a look at how we operate uh, a multi-format space, almost like a, a studio within a studio um, that molds to the vendor's brand. So if, if um, we're working with partners like uh, KOA or Hitbox or you know other other vendors, if they come in, it, it's branded in KOA. If, if, if it's a Hitbox session, it's branded Hitbox. And mm. uh, making sure that you know the environment is is you know is a branded experience. But it's not one that has to be owned and operated at, at a really high capital, uh, you know, capex and opex to the to the vendor. Interesting. So you've touched on kind of a, a lot of trends there in sort of evolution of many industries, and I was drawing comparisons with, you know, while you were talking with, you know, what we see in the food industry as dark kitchens, or what we see in the remote working yeah. as co-working spaces. So there's a lot Correct. of kind of things happening under your platform. Talking about how the decision to expand to Hong Kong came about and then with other expansion, how do you know, uh, what market research do you do and which product do you kind of launch with at the start or how do you go about that? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, very good question. So I think that um, from, as you mentioned, we, we're fortunate that we sit at, a, at a, a number of cross-sections of a number of industries. So we get a lot of data from our own platform. We get the benefit of a lot of research from you know, many organizations and institutions around the world. Um, and we can take those trends and actually convert them into um, growth uh, and revenue opportunities for our vendors. Um, and wellness opportunities for our corporate partners. Um, mm. So, you know, we're in a nice position where we can match supply and demand in a in a in an agile way. Um, so, whether that's done virtually, whether that's done digitally, or whether that's done physically, um, to us doesn't really matter as long as wellness benefits are being met from from both sides. So, in terms of, of uh, going to Hong Kong, um, early last year we were over there because we were exploring the market anyway. Um, six months prior to that, we had, had been invited to Rise Tech Conference uh, to, to promote both the Dubai startup ecosystem and what we're doing. Um, and we were just blown away by the market, how densely populated it was, how rich it was in vendors. But also, all of in Hong Kong, everything is stacked up. So nothing's on ground level. Everything's on the 16th floor or the 30th floor. And you would have no way of finding these things. So you know, we, we, we already saw, saw that, right, the same problem exists here as it does in Dubai. It's everything in Dubai is spread out. Discovery, in Hong Kong, it's yeah. all stacked up. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, we should look at Hong Kong as, as a market and take it a little bit more seriously. So you're on a discovery trip. Um, I got introduced uh, through um, a, a contact here in Dubai uh, to the CEO of Sigur in Hong Kong. He set up a coffee. Uh, within 10 minutes uh, of meeting and, and starting the, you know, the discussions, he was like, how quickly can you develop this in, in Hong Kong? We want to back it. Um, so we were very lucky. Uh, we have a lot to, to thank Human for the, the Signal Hong Kong CEO um, for, for just seeing what we were trying to do and, and matching that with their, you know, Signal's vision to, you know, to help people and live healthier lives um, and, and us helping to people helping people to live more active lives, the two things went together very well. So um, we, we signed a, a three-year partnership with Cigna um, and they, you know, effectively they wanted us to develop the platform in Hong Kong so they could roll it out, one, to their staff, uh, but, but very importantly to their 100,000 customers in Hong Kong. Was, is that a strategic investment for them or is it a sponsorship sort of program for a few years? Uh, yeah, it's a strategic partnership. It's not investment as such, um, but you know they 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 helped us get set up in Hong Kong uh, through the partnership, uh, through the agreement that we structured, um, and it's it's about value mutual value creation. So you know we're giving them a differentiator in a in a very uh, hotly contested uh, health and medical insurance market. Um, you know with a product that doesn't exist out there. Um, you know, and a partnership that certainly doesn't exist in the health insurance space. And is that uh, for Cigna customers? Uh, and are you looking at acquiring the same amount, same type of vendors that you do in the UAE, also in Hong Kong? Yes. So we've actually been live now in Hong Kong since July. Um, so I think the, the vendor network is, is growing um, as strong uh, as it is in Dubai. Uh, the team led by Iris over in Hong Kong are doing a great job. Um, and again, it's. I think we're lucky in the in the sense that we have you know great partnerships in the likes of Cigna and, and Standard Chartered and uh, CBRE also um, that that give us a foundation to grow from. Um, so we're not uh, a consumer facing business in that we don't actually spend any marketing dollars to acquire users of the app. So we're quite a rare uh, technology business in that respect. Mm. Um, so you know, as a Cigna customer, for example. 
uh, you get Switch Plus, which is our premium tier on the app, which gives you discounts across services, exclusive events, private content, etc. Um, so you get that as a Signa customer. And Signa also give uh, many of their customers Switch credit to spend on the app as part of their health insurance policy. Interesting. And so, you know, that's very much um, a corporate sort of partnership in Hong Kong. Is that similar to how you're going to approach the U.S. market? Uh, and uh, or does it depend on the kind of need and want in that market? Yeah, so our, our growth strategy is, is centered around what we call a, a pull market strategy, meaning that we, we are not going to invest uh, dollars into going into a market and figuring it out. Hmm. Um, what we will do is when we have a predetermined or pre-agreed corporate demand, we will then go and acquire the, the necessary vendor network or supply side that's required to launch. And we get going with a with a stabilized base, meaning we have, you know, a, a corporate or multiple corporate contracts locked in, which, which represents, in most instances, many thousands of corporate users, most of whom have paid credit, with a vendor network that's ready to tap into that, that demand. So, um, okay. you know, going into a market and acquiring uh, vendor partners um, is not particularly difficult when we've built the demand side already with prepaid credit. Smart. Okay. Amazing. Uh are there other markets that you're looking at as well as the US? Or as yeah, so when the demand comes, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So we're actually in the, the late late stages of setup in Singapore. Uh, so Singapore will be our next market um, due to the partnerships I've already mentioned. Um, and then we're working on uh, Los Angeles as the next market. Wow. Big, big city, Los Angeles. Interesting. So um, talking about the kind of inspirational side of Switch and, you know, you, you can see a lot of your background coming through in the kind of branding and the, and the video uh, part of it because it's a very visual platform. Uh, how, do, how do you kind of uh, enhance the offerings of the vendors and how do you go about creating that content? And are you, you know, in a way, a kind of a content company as well? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think content is is so key to everything nowadays that you just cannot ignore it. And I know I'm, you know, um, preaching to the congregation in that respect here. So, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, we 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 took a very proactive, positive stance on content from from the get go. Um, every service on the app has video content uh that showcases the the facility the service the instructor the location the the environment the the type of people that also you know go to that that vendor so um we were always a firm believer in video content um the the demand for video content has just grown and grown and grown since you know we launched switch um and not just on the app but also through other platforms so you mentioned earlier in terms of you know we do create a lot of content to promote the brand and the team. Uh, we do a weekly blog uh, called Switch Weekly, um, just to give a bit of an insight into how uh, things are going at the business and, and try and just tell the truth. Uh, because I think it's very easy for um, brands to create glossy content that makes everything look rosy, but it's not. It's not easy running a business. It's not easy growing a you know a platform like ours and developing technology. And things do go wrong. Mm. Uh, we're not afraid to to say that. Um, I, that we're actually launching this week, Switch Weekly today, um, and four weeks ago we introduced a segment called Real Talk, uh, where we just try and tell you, you know, something that's really honest from the business. And little did we know that the Real Talk segment would become so real, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so challenging over the following four weeks. So yeah. uh, 
so yeah i think content content's usually important it's important to give ourselves a an authentic and original um not just voice but you know appearance as well but like you say help our not just our vendors but also our corporates uh, tell the story of their brands and their offerings and and how we're just helping people to live more active lifestyles yeah you know, and that sort of real talk and authenticity seems to be part of your values and what you stand for as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we we you mentioned our brand experience and and, and obviously values and, and purpose. You know, sit at the core of that. And um, you know, we have we have five core values that that we live by at Switch. Um, and one of them is to be open, honest, and direct at all times. Mm. Um, so yeah, and we 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 make sure that we convey that internally, but also externally too. What are the rest of the values? Uh, play to win, um, be open, honest, and direct, um, be, a, uh, be a sportsman. Uh, so yes, whilst winning is important, actually, you know, helping others is, is critical. Um, and the, the final one is, is, is be entrepreneurial, be agile. Hmm. Um, you know, we want, we want people to, to, to be able to think and adapt accordingly. Um, you know, so you know, it, it's about creating that environment where people can, you know, people can really uh, be themselves. You know, they can they can drive the business forward. Um, you know, and 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 really grow our, our network and our ecosystem. I think I think we could have uh, um, had all this conversation around uh, the impacts of coronavirus. So I, I know we touched on it in, in remote working and in different ways, especially with the corporate side. But I consciously, you know, I think there'll be a lot of conversation around it. But just in terms of the entrepreneurship side of, of coronavirus and kind of that last value you mentioned, how have, how have Switch adapted in the last few weeks, uh, both in terms of your offering um, and just in terms of how you see the behavioural changes happening around us? Yeah, I think, um, you know, first of all, we're lucky that we've got a great team who, you know, are, are committed to our mission of, of you know, helping people to live more active lifestyles. And I think that all, even before coronavirus, we were very dynamic and agile in the way we operated. I think this has just um, further accelerated that, that approach and that, that working style. So um, we're very grateful and thankful for the team um, you know, and, and their approach to this challenge. Uh, there's been some great ideas. We've, we've pivoted to a number of new service lines like virtual content and on-demand content that previously was not really much of our, our business model. Um, you know, making sure that we, we keep our corporate clients engaged, work with our vendor partners to see what support we can generate. Ultimately, it's our responsibility to continue to, to drive value into the ecosystem, uh, sitting in between the corporate partners and the vendor partners. Um, so, yeah, ultimately now everybody globally within our teams um, are, are working from home. Um, we do daily uh, video stand-ups, so everybody jumps on a call at, at 10 o'clock. Um, we, we share everything that we're working on. We have a, maybe a trivia question, um, and critically, uh, living and breathing our, our brand by example, we also do switch live sessions. So, uh, whether it's a, a fitness class or a yoga session or whatever. So, you know, we do that as a team as well. So, you know, what we're delivering to our, our, our clients and our customers, um, we make sure we, we do as well. We have to, we have to, you know, uh, deliver what we're offering from the inside out. Interesting. And in terms of the kind of next steps for your business in line with uh, the impact of uh, COVID-19, you know, people are comparing this with the aftermath of uh, the dot-com 
bubble and also, say, 9-11 and 2008. Um, do you think that appetite for investments and kind of um, VC uh, investment is going to change? And also, if so, um, you know, will your, your positioning and will your pitch, per se, uh, be geared more towards this sort of remote working and digital um, environment that we seem to be accelerated towards? Um, yeah, so I think ultimately the, the whole the whole the whole global economy will, will will shift right i don't think anyone knows particularly in which direction or or how long for but what we do know is that everything has changed so i don't think you can be um you you can't you can't be stagnant you can't stay the same you have to adapt you have to be agile to to the current economic climate the current local climate um you know and and adapt accordingly so you know, like I said, for us, yes, it is about introducing more live content, virtual content. Um, will it change our overall business model? No. Um, you know, ultimately, we're a platform that connects organizations and their staff or customers with the providers of, of wellness services. So it doesn't really matter to us whether that's physical or digital. Uh, what does matter to us is that we continue to impact as many people and as many lives as possible. Um, will it impact fundraising? Yes, I think it will. Um, I think VCs and investors will be perhaps a little bit more cautious in the coming quarters, um, hopefully not too longer than that. Um, but I also think it, it will help flush out um, a lot of the business models that have no uh, clear pathway to profitability um, or any pathway to actually generating any revenue. Um, so I think they're the businesses that will struggle to raise money in the future more so than and businesses like ours, uh, where we're already revenue generative, we're already on a pathway to, to profitability. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, that will actually help us because, you know, we're we're delivering a service that is now desired by more people than ever before. Um, and we can now do it in a global way. Amazing. On that note, uh, we'll finish up a good strong way to finish. And thank you for taking the time to tell us about uh, Switch, how it started. And, you know, it's great to see uh, a company grow out of Dubai and uh, you know adapt the way that you're doing so well done and hopefully we'll continue to follow your story thank you Rich I appreciate it and uh, thank you for inviting me to be on today okay take care speak soon all right stay safe take care hey guys I'm Richard Fitzgerald this is Dubai Works where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city that business with scalability was very interesting to me I like building something that has legacy